Welcome, listeners, to another Geeky On podcast. Uh, this is going to be a little bit of a different intro than usual. I'm going to change the format a little bit because uh, previously we've been doing this. It's been sort of a little bit of a lead up telling you what you're going to be listening to. But you know what? That's kind of redundant. So what we're going to be doing instead here is this is going to be more about making announcements and telling you guys about what's going on. So uh, let just to recap in terms of uh, last week. Didn't have a podcast, unfortunately. There was some scheduling issues amongst uh, the three of us. So I'm very sorry if you guys had to wait on that. But we are back this week. Uh, as for announcements, we are going to be launching the website, finally. Uh, it's a little bit different than we had anticipated um, due to just limitations and technical difficulties. But we're going live and we're going to be having articles up Hopefully with uh, some frequency, uh, we're shooting for two to three articles a week. And the reason we're telling you about this now is because we want your help. Uh, we're, we're really looking to get contributors uh, to help with writing articles for the, for the website. Uh, so if you are a listener of the show that would love to uh, sort of write about these subjects, you know, about uh, geeky subject matter, uh, things that you're nerdy about, Reach out to us. The email is gitgeekyon. That's G-I-T Geekyon G-E-E-K-E-O-N at gmail.com. And let us know. And uh we'll we'll let you know what kind of content we're looking for as well. Uh we're gonna be posting about it through our Facebook group as well, which is facebook.com slash geekyon. And uh we really want to have more audience uh, interaction and participation. So you know, I know you guys are listening to the show. I know you guys like the show. So please reach out. Uh, if you want to write something, please let us know and uh, pitch it to us. And, you know, spread the word and engage with us on Facebook and uh, on Twitter. Uh, because we really do want to hear from you. Uh, as much as we love creating the content and just giving this to you for you guys to listen to, we want to engage and hear what you have to say as well. Uh, so stand by for more updates for that. Um, but anyone interested in contributing content, please reach out and let us know. Uh, so that's really the major announcement for this week. Uh, also, uh, for next week, letting you guys know now, the Quantum Corner, uh, the next episode, we are going to be watching uh, episode two. So uh, we're giving you guys a heads up. Any of you that have access to Quantum, <laughs> Quantum Leap, uh, whether that be... Um, I think like maybe Netflix, I, I don't know. I think Netflix in the States has some episodes. Uh, but if you, if you've got a video rental store or you just happen to own it, uh, or you find a means of getting episodes, uh, follow along with us and listen to, or watch episode two. So you can follow along with us next podcast. All right. So here you go. Episode 16. Yeah, we're going to go with that of the geeky on podcast. We actually had yeah. lives this week. I know, which is alarming. really weird. Well, it's it's. Gonna Don't be... worry, guys. It'll never happen again. Yeah, we <laughs> we're all mostly losers, so you know. Mm. But it's <laughs> like speak for yourself. No, nope, I'll accept. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I'm sure eventually we'll figure out some sort of a way to like nail this down to some sort of a routine. Oh, but probably not. Like, just sit we'll together for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, have, like, I, I I, mean, ideally, we could have some sort of a standing time where we made this happen, but whatever. Anyway, to all of our listeners, we're back a little bit later than normal, but it's it's still a podcast, and it's free, so fuck you, enjoy it. <laughs> that's that's going to get more audience <laughs> yeah. in. Yeah. I don't know why I have this antagonistic relationship with, with our, our audience. audience. I've <laughs> frequently, frequently, like... You're going to our audience name. member's birthday tonight. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and and with that being said, happy birthday, Amy. Happy birthday, Amy. Yeah. Wait a second. Didn't you have a birthday last week, too? No, that there was, was Eve's birthday. Yeah, that oh, was Eve's birthday. birthday. A lot of birthdays. Yeah. And Ashley's is coming up next week. So. Oh, that's right. That's too go. many people that start with A's. E's. 
<laughs> I'm done with this conversation. Whatever. Geeky on podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, let's let's I guess do a quick little recap. What what have you guys been of up to? Two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, let's catch people up. What it, what has been so busy that you couldn't do the podcast, Tom? I was working. All right. And what about you, Jenny? <laughs> I was watching a lot of documentaries. I kind of been on a tear since like we watched the Jinx. Have you done any hot dogs? I I went to hot dogs last night, and as yeah. a matter of fact, uh, my shameless plug. Shameless plug, because <laughs> so many people pay attention to color correction. My brother color corrected uh, a movie called Stay a While that premiered last night at Hot Dogs. It's about the bells or the five bells. After watching two hours of their story, I'm still not certain which it is. Um, but they were like this famous, like number one gold record hit selling band that existed sixties on that none yeah. of us have heard of. Yeah. Um, from Canada. So this was their daughter of a like the lead singer's husband and wife team uh, that also had a sister in there and some other dudes. And uh, it, was, it sounds kind of confusing. It, it was kind of like a mamas yeah. and the papas situation yeah. where, like, you know, there was uh, siblings and spouses all mixed in one bag. Yeah, it's uh, sounds scandalous. It was super yeah. scandalous. There was a point actually where the sister in law of the now ex husband and wife, uh, she was like, hey, ex husband, brother in law. Did we have an affair? And he didn't answer the question for like five solid minutes before Ooh. he was like... And let's not tell anyone the answer because... Oh, spoilers. Yeah, true. you're going to have to go yeah. see it. Yeah. See it for yourselves. Yeah. Specifically... Check out the correction on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I, like, I, I mean, I do really like that cinema and it's... Uh, if, if there's anything that catches your eye... I mean, docs are so great because... You don't necessarily have to be interested in the the content, but the the journalistic approach and the investigation right. and all that it's pretty yeah it's fun. I saw they have one on Kurt Cobain. Yeah, that's cool. um his daughter produced it. I read a really interesting article about that actually. Uh, Francis Bean Cobain, mm-hmm. who has uh, grown into looking a lot more like her mom. I think the last time I saw her, she looked like a bean. She was a little bit. Uh, yeah, she looked like a normal child sure. with a little bit of extra weight, and now she looks totally like dark goth, like big lips. And but either way, she uh, she was interviewed, and they were like, um, "How is it for you to like see your dad and go through this? Were you a Nirvana fan?" And she quite blankly says, "Was like, she a Soundgarden fan?" Like, <laughs> no, she. It Nirvana wasn't her style her. of music. She was like point blank, like, "No, I didn't. I didn't really like." Nirvana, yeah. um, and they're like, well, what was it like to hear your father's voice? And she's like, well, apparently I, qu- I have it. You know, I've hung out with Dave Grohl and the guys, mm-hmm. and they constantly say, like, mannerisms and everything the same. And uh, they're like, well, don't you think it's such a tragedy that your dad died at that age, like, for the music that could have grown? And she's like, actually, I believe that he died perfectly as far as music's concerned because he'll always remain... Um, as a symbol of that music, mm-hmm. like the peak of it. And, you know, it was fantastic and lives on. What would have been nice was having a dad. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Which, that's a nice little, like, shame on you to, like, the interviewer. Because it's like, yeah, don't forget that's this person's parent. It's yeah. not like, it, she doesn't <laughs> perceive him as a musical icon. It's the fucking dad. Just like the empty hole in her life. Yeah. But, Exactly. But I think the interesting thing with the way that they did that doc is like obviously they've got um, some home uh, video footage and stuff but they've also done some animation or some stop motion stuff to kind of tell the story because he was stop motion doesn't have to be clay. It could Could be be puppets. It could be puppets. It could be paper. But was it? Which was it? I think we're talking about paper. I think we're getting a little bit off the beaten path here. Um... (laughs) Either way, yeah, they tell a little bit of because he was an artist, obviously. Yeah. Like he had some pretty weird drawings, so they do some retellings through that. So that looks cool, and that's playing at hot dogs. Yeah. Oh, oh cool. Yeah. There you go. So to Toronto listeners, hot dogs. It's a place where you can watch documentaries. This Better is not sponsored by hot, hot dogs. <laughs> mm, not to be mistaken with hot dogs. <laughs> Apparently, we we're like. We're already trying to court sponsors by just like, <laughs> listen to how we could potentially pitch your business. Yeah, <laughs> Hot dogs. Uh, all right. So as for me, 
Um, I've been pretty busy myself. I've started a sort of new old job, you could say. I've gone back to my nerdy roots in uh, working in the IT department at the college that I went to. So, um, yeah, that's taken up a bit of my time, but that's cool. I mean, luckily, it's it's a part-time basis, so we've still got time to do this fun stuff and other cool things. So, uh, you know, fear not all of you dozens of listeners. Uh, there will still continue to be lots of, of Geeky on podcasts. All right, cool. So let's let's actually... Yeah, I know, right? I know you guys were worried. Jesus. <laughs> but um, let's let's jump into it. Um, I think the, the biggest thing that I know we were talking about over the past week and a bit was uh, there's been a lot of trailers mm-hmm. lately. Like, mm-hmm. a ton, especially for, like, geeky, like, hype movies. Well, we're, so, we're heading into blockbuster uh, exactly. season, so there's going to be a mess load. Yeah, so, like... Yep, there's a slur <laughs> on that. <laughs> a load. So, um, let's, let's sort of recap. I mean, Star Wars The Force Awakens had a, a big reveal. Uh, it obviously... I mean, if you're listening to this, chances are you've seen it or at least know that it exists. Um, I know some people just actually don't want to watch it, and I respect that. For spoiler reasons? Well, yeah, exactly. Just to not, you know, like, go in with any sort of expectations, right? There's been actually several articles... I'm an article reader this week. Uh, There has been some um, criticism over how much... And this is, like, I think everyone will agree... How much you expose in trailers now? Yeah, um, which is I, totally what I think we should explore, like in like you know when we talk about this as a whole. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, like there are people out there that are kind of I guess pushing back against sort of the trailer culture and not watching it. Um, but there was that uh, Jurassic super World, Jurassic World, Jurassic World. Uh, had, had a clip yes. and a new trailer. Yeah, and also a little bit of uh, like a little flame up, I guess, because Joss Whedon actually tweeted um, about that clip because it's kind of got some uh, you know sexist sort of like tropes to it. Twitter controversy. Uh, it's just it's one of those typical things. A celebrity tweets something, and then everyone's like, "Holy shit, what does this mean?" Um, oh, yeah. To tie into potentially the next, uh, the Avengers. Did you guys see that clip of Chris Evans and oh Jeremy my Renner? Yeah. So I think the interviewer was instigating that Black Widow could have potentially, you know, she sort of had a few guys. Um, yeah. Oh God, Hawkeye and her sort of had a, a connection in the previous one, a history, yeah. and like, okay, Captain America could have been you. Yeah. Awesome. But now in this one, it's suggesting that she ends up with Bruce Banner. Yeah. And so they asked the two guys, they're like, "What do you think of this?" And Renner very point blank says, "She's a slut." Yeah. And they both kind of joked about it. And they it, laughed. Right? They both laughed. And Chris Evans is like, oh, man, I was going to say something the same. Yeah. And they had to publicly apologize for yeah. calling Black Widow, the character, a slut. Well, and that's that's an interesting thing because there was a interesting, like, I saw a lot of people remark on the fact that it's a good dichotomy of the example of a good apology versus a bad apology. Because Renner gives a very non-apologetic kind of apology. He's like, I'm sorry that people were offended about us talking about a fictional character you know, it was a long day and we were exhausted and we were just poking fun. Uh, where Chris Evans had a very different approach where he was like, you know, I appreciate that, you know, there are a very passionate fan base and like uh, there is a passionate fan base and, you know, I, I'm i very sorry that, you know, I offended them and basically saying like, you know, I'll do better. Um, I think re- regardless of what your sort of opinions on, you know, the like how how people should have reacted to that, I would say that. Chris Evans definitely did the right thing in terms of the way he apologized. Yeah, I think the... If you're going to apologize sorry, at all, make it a sincere point. The right? sorry that you were offended, that's not an yeah, apology. that's an asshole's mm-hmm. apology. Yeah. Exactly. That's the, uh, that's like the kid that, you know, like that picks a fight on the playground. His parents makes him, make him go to your house and like apologize to you. Or like, that tonal like, sorry. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of <laughs> what Jeremy Renner did. But, um, so that was, yeah, that was another sort of flare-up. Yeah. But the Joss Whedon thing was kind of... Explain this, though. It was sort of a, it, it was basically a critique that people, like, blew out of proportion. Because basically, the, I don't know if you guys have seen the clip. Yeah, the I clip. did. Yeah. Oh, wait, the clip? I only yeah. saw where, the trailer. It's where Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt are sort of talking to each other. There's a moment in the trailer that reflects the clip, which yeah. is like when he's like, you know, they've got a hunt, they've got a feed, they've got a yeah, to like imply. a little, 
Boinking. They must, they must have intercourse. Yeah. yeah. Coitus. Yes. So in the context of the clip, it's revealed that they once went on a date yeah. and it wasn't successful. Yeah. So um, the thing with Joss Whedon was basically he remarks that it's like this is a very 70s sort of like kind of like exchange where she's a stiff and he's like this charismatic life force and it's a very old old fashioned kind of thing. And, you know, he he basically said it's like it's reflecting 70s era sexism. Um, You know, I I don't think that like how there's a story out of that. I don't know. But wait a second. So he's like. It's not sexist, it's just humor based on a time frame where there was sexist humor. Yeah, he's basically saying it's like, this feels like a dated trope. You know, that's, I think that's what that, what his tweet boiled down to. Mm -hmm. Um, It was in response to an article from the Mary Sue, uh, which is a website that definitely has an angle, (laughs) you know. It started in the 1950s. Um, Yeah, well, like the Mary Sue website is definitely a very like feminist centric website right so mm. anyway i let's not get into that side Please, of things let's like, not yeah. talk about feminism <laughs> but jurassic world had a trailer um that superman v batman dawn of justice worst title ever is it had, v i think it's v or maybe because i think with v the, like, is yeah. typically for legal cases well so maybe that's, that's what, gonna be maybe a twist that's gonna be the like big the, reveal yeah. What Batman I, is throwing, like, Bruce Wayne is throwing all of his financial, like, weight at Clark Kent and being like, fuck you, you're going down. Well, the interesting thing about that trailer was that it was released shitty. Um, yeah, that and was, then a, yeah, that was obviously... Screening, secret screening thing. Yeah, right? so they obviously revealed the trailer probably earlier than they hoped because everyone yeah. was seeing a really crummy version of it. And but the whole, the title reflects, like, it's based on... A lot of graphic novels, and this is supposed to be the dawn of the Justice League. Yeah, I know. I, I just think it's a very wordy and kind of silly title. But... Well, the title reflects how many freaking characters. Like, once the trailer came out, I was like, well, what's the updated, like, uh, cast call on it? Mm-hmm. And so now I found out that uh, the... The Flash? No, wait. Is it no, The Flash? I don't think he's getting, he's getting a separate movie that he shouldn't be in this one, I don't believe. I'm gonna double right, check maybe. because I'm pretty certain that The yeah. Flash is in it, and they're even suggesting that female Robin is in it, which would suggest Jenna Malone's name being attached to I heard something about that. That was another big leak about this movie that was kind of a big deal, like a big problem. Uh, which shows you that what the fuck is going on with Warner? A big problem? Yeah, like they didn't want that news leaking and it got out. Similar to a trailer that got out that was like off of someone's shitty phone with yeah. the autofocus fucking up. Mm-hmm. It was terrible. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe they, they need to get their house in order. I'm just going to say that. But um, the one thing about that, though, is that Avengers was similar in that it introduced a bunch of characters that we had never seen before. And they did in like one, they had one word for the title. You know, so. Yeah. Well... I just discovered this as uh, I was at the bar and someone did the old, like, you're my number one, Jack, like the <laughs> old Batman reference. Yeah. Um, so oh, apparently man. in his deal of playing Joker, Jack Nicholson gets profits every time they use Batman in a title, which is actually why Christopher Nolan decided to go on the Dark Knight route. Because just to not Jack Nicholson. Not... Give him a cut. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he probably looked at his like bottom line after Batman Wait, begins. Like, what, what, is what the this? fuck? What is this? <laughs> Confirmed. <laughs> it is rumored. Uh, they have casting for Ezra Miller who... Yeah, for the Flash movie. But he's no, supposed no, to be no. in that too. Yeah, it's rumored in this as well. Which, I mean, breaking it down, new characters are Wonder Woman, Aquaman... The Flash potentially. Aquaman is in this? Yeah, Momoa, Drago. So he might actually have an appearance even in this movie. Yeah, and and Lex Luthor. Well, Lex Luthor's for sure. Yeah, and Alfred's for sure too, but Cyborg is maybe in it as well. These are all, and these are all characters that they've announced their their whole slate for the next twenty years of our lives. Oh, God. Uh, You know, they're going to be in movies. Number two is going to be in this. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) But it's just too much. Like, I don't think we've ever seen a good superhero movie with that much going on. Like, even let's just stick to what is confirmed. Like, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman, Lex Luthor. Like, that's a lot. Tell me what... Yeah, that's Avengers. Avengers Avengers versus Superman. Avengers is different, though, because 
we got different, like, we had their movies. They had their movies. They had their separate yeah. movies. Okay. We brought them together. What about X-Men? God damn it, Eric. <laughs> but is... X-Men is always, like, X-Men exists, I don't know. I think if you want to do the Justice League, which is, X-Men always existed as an ensemble. Like, they were, always, we were yeah. introduced to the world. That was also the purpose of, of the story. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Is this based on Dark Knight Returns? No. It's okay. it's completely separate. Like that was that series is going to be a, right. apart from the rest. But of I their feel like universe. just based on the title, the purpose of this movie is Batman versus Superman. Yeah, possibly Batman v Superman legal <laughs> battle. They will see each other in court. So that is that's your story. You've got two hours. Hopefully, they don't make it more than that. Mm. And now you're also introducing like what was that 75 other characters yeah about 75 yeah, and like roughly. you're gonna give them all screen time How, like that i don't know it, it, that it'll be interesting kind of, i guess the difference for me like and it is sort of origin although like now we've seen x-men even has to go back to do some more origin play but like mm-hmm. yeah you're introducing the world and this is also like an aged batman this is like a yep. post-retired batman yeah this is i mean i think there's definitely some sort of like some allusions to uh, Dark Knight Rises, or like our Returns. Dark Knight Returns sort of, uh, yeah, era of Batman, mm-hmm. which looks cool. I mean, I don't know how I feel about his weird, like, cyber, like his, like, armor thing. His bicycle that helmet? Was to, but wasn't that in the original comic, too, because he had an actual charge in his suit because he was getting so weak? Like, there was one point where his heart even was giving out. And like he used well, there's a, a couple different ones. Like I, I know that there was, there's one where there's a story where Batman is I think a hundred and he like dons the cape again. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what that's called. I think it's but yeah, <laughs> it looks it's the art's ridiculous. By the way, he looks tiny and frail. He has like um, a bat cane. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I don't know. You you read the the Dark Knight uh, Returns, correct? Yeah. yeah I I. Honestly, I've never read the graphic novel, so was there anything to that to his suit? I th- I think that his suit is somewhat uh, has like AIDS and and so forth. How about you like <laughs> his bat suit AIDS? has AIDS? Not, no, sorry, not, not AIDS. Not in the HIV. Not sense. AIDS. Well, not it was made in the eighties. It's not like a robot suit, but I think it does have enhancements. Mm-hmm. There's an actual, um, I'm going to really be annoyed at myself for not remembering it, but on Netflix right now, there's an animated movie uh, where Batman is older and there is female Robin. And is, I think that is that, Dark Knight Yeah, Knight there's Returns. an animated version of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is that, that is it? Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, the, yeah, isn't there a reflection on his suit in that? Yeah, that's what it, I never mind, so. I'm literally repeating what you were saying, now realizing. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one where he beats the guy up in the mud, right? Like, at the end, that's the... Yeah, like, up. that's, it's like a thug king or something? Yeah. yeah, and, like, all of his little followers. Yeah. Um, <sighs> yeah. I, honestly, oh. I think all things considered, I think Batman looks really cool in this trailer. Mm-hmm. I think that like he definitely looks like a, I think the best version of a on-screen Batman I've seen. Like the costume looks amazing. He looks, I think, intimidating. Yeah, the trailer yeah. looked, I think, pretty good from a visual perspective for yeah. the Batman universe. I feel like it completely misses on Superman. Which Man of Steel kind of did too, though. Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely it did. That Which, was not a very good movie. Yeah. No. And I can understand uh, the people kind of being apprehensive about Superman because he probably killed about 750,000 people by destroying their city. And Metropolis as like, he possibly could. Like, all right, we've knocked is, around here. Let's fly He is over one there. of the worst mass murderers of all time. Yeah. So I can totally understand the people not being all that into Superman, but that's... I don't know if I want to watch that. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I like. I'm a huge fan of 300. I like a lot of Zack Snyder stuff. I actually quite enjoyed Watchmen. I thought he was a good director yeah. for that. Yeah. I I don't think I was that inclined to see his uh, his reconstruction of Superman and Batman. Maybe yeah. Batman solely, like singularly. Because it's a darker yeah, like storyline, but yeah. like I don't think yeah. we're used to it. I think yeah, like I think Zack Snyder probably would have done a really good Batman movie as a like it would have been dark, but also actiony and fun. Yeah, you know, um, where Nolan's is it's a little less like action heavy. It's a it's a, a much it's actually a much more character driven kind of right. a Batman franchise. Mm. Um, but 
you know, uh, kind of apples and oranges when you're comparing those two directors. Uh, well, and Nolan's like purely been like, oh, hands up, like I have nothing. Oh yeah, he strictly wants nothing to do with mm-hmm. it moving forward, which I think is, I think it's the right approach. They kind of need to make a clean break from their past movies and and move forward for better or worse with what they're doing with Zack Snyder. Yeah. Well, and Kristen Bale apparently like spoke out and was like, I still would love to pursue this character. Yeah. And they opted like they no. just didn't ask him. Uh, I I don't know whether the conversation was approached like, but he publicly said like yeah. I'm not finished like I didn't want to hang up the cape but I think they had to make the I'm uh, still Batman yeah uh, I think they had to make the call <laughs> <laughs> no one just comes up to him no you're not no. no you're you're not should we should we perhaps segue <clears throat> into a Batman character and talk about Jared Leto's yeah let's I mean again talking about the marketing hype campaign of of these movies. Suicide Squad is, it's in production right now. It's actually being filmed here in Toronto, which is, is kind of exciting. Yeah. Um, but yesterday, uh, which was on, on Friday, they announced, or they, they released the first real picture of him in costume as the Joker. And it's something. Well, to say in costume is... Well, uh, yeah, because he's not wearing a shirt. No. Um, you know, um, so. I th- okay, well, for those that haven't seen it, go Google it, idiots. Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> I mean, you've probably seen it. It's, like, people are making a big deal of it right now. Uh, I mean, it's hard to make a judgment. I, I personally, I like it because it's a standalone vision of the Joker. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's hard to judge it, too, when we don't know the world that it exists in. So... Uh, well, like if, if you I may. Jeez. Oh, okay. uh, well, you know, I, no, I, 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 you're right. I mean, it's one of those things where it's, it's, it's tough to like really sort of write it off at, at first glance. There were some issues that I had with it, um, based like as a comic, well, just as a fan of like Batman in a general sense, which was, and I think I've seen a lot of people say the same thing. The tattoos are ridiculous. Like not that him having tattoos is inherently ridiculous. What they are is ridiculous. Really? Yeah. Well, because it's it's iconography that you've seen it like as part of the Joker in other iterations. Like this is like the big grinning smile is something that you've seen in like comics of the Joker. The ha 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 is like that actually looks like stuff that you see like in the Batman Arkham Asylum games. Mm-hmm. Like it's weird to me to be putting this stuff that is like it's recognizable as material from other like versions of the Joker. On him, it's it's like it just sort of breaks the the fourth wall for me. But can he not be an amalgamation? Like, can there not? I mean, he does. I believe have green hair in that too. He does. Like, are we supposed to suggest? No, no, no that I'm not saying can't? that though. I'm not saying he can't look like other versions of the Joker. I'm saying that the the image, like, put it this way: if like the Joker went to a tattoo place, would he ask for like I want to have that smile like I saw in that comic yeah. book of myself? I have the perfect. Re- retort for that in the original 1986 batman whatever it is uh with jack Jack nicholson Nicholson. yeah that we just talked about uh he jack palance always has it's not jack palance whatever jack palance is the the big the the crime boss i know um whatever jack yeah uh he always has his deck of cards Mm -hmm. so when he falls into the vat of whatever and goes to the plastic surgeon the, the idea is that he's being inspired by his Joker playing, playing card mm-hmm. to get the look. Yeah. So. That's fine. Like, I, I think that makes sense. So why can't you shape your look based on, like, obviously, like, big grinning smile, like, freak out, ha ha ha. Like, why couldn't he put that on himself? And why couldn't they use the iconic imagery to... I feel like, does Henry Winkler have a tattoo of a dude jumping over a shark? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right? Like, and that's the thing, is, like, if you had a character, if you had, like, a movie with a reinvention of the Fonz with him with, like, him jumping a shark, like, that's inherently a... I feel like, though, Zack Snyder doing a happy (laughs) film is something I want to see. <laughs> that I'll see. All right. Well, that's 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 some food for thought. But um, like the thing is, is that the the Joker, like the Jester tattoo that he has on the one side of him, totally that that's fine. I think that because it's not it's not part of the Joker specifically in comic books and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like that writing of the ha ha ha, 
that exact kind of writing I've seen in other versions of the Joker. So that's the thing. It's like, it's, it's specifically the fact that it's so close to existing material. Like the, the Joker playing card, a Joker playing card has always like, it's, it's the inspiration for the original character. Like it, the Joker as a playing card has existed prior to the Joker as a, as a character. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so is your issue that this is, it looks like someone else's work. It, it looks like, other version like it looks like other work like uh you know of the joker is being referenced on his body which is just it's like it just kind of it's a break in the re like in sort of the reality of the world another uh, this looks like it's a press release though right uh my this, understanding is, this, is it, it i is mean this a it is still a, from the film no i don't know but this. it is it is the costume like they've said so this he's not gonna wear a shirt <laughs> ever that's uh, a good point ever. yeah um, like I just, I mean, I don't know if this is just kind of a press release thing, and that's like he's gonna actually wear a shirt. In I the imagine. Film. I imagine he will wear a shirt at least during points in the film. I don't know, like if he's going full McConaughey on this, um, but yeah, it, time will tell. Uh, one tattoo that will always be seen though is the one that says "damaged" across his forehead, which I think is ridiculous. Yeah, that was probably like I. I respectfully disagree with you on the the artwork, like mm -hmm. the tattoo artwork. I, I'm okay with it. I think it, you know, any reincarnation of a character is going to use different references and potentially it could be down to wardrobe, to mm -hmm. tattoos. So I was fine with that. But yes, the the damaged thing. In cursive? <laughs> yeah. Across his forehead. Um, Just, yeah. Yeah. He... Um, but I, I liked like the... I like just the uniqueness of it. I like that it's different because, like, Heath Ledger, obviously, his look was unique to any other Absolutely. style of Joker, so... Um, and that was really great. I think it, it, it yeah. was... It, it turned out... It worked so well in the universe of the film, which isn't... Like, again, like, this look could totally work for the film that they're doing, yeah. and I'm not saying that it, it can't. Again, I'm just... I'm nitpicky about the I've tattoos. I've seen that because, guy on yeah. Toronto streets, so if they're <laughs> yeah. filming it here... <laughs> Makes perfect sense. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, he's got the he's got the like crazy grill with the weird teeth. I just think it's I, I hope that there will be like I hope he has henchmen that are actually just juggalos as actually <laughs> You know what I also like about this though? Is that uh I think we've known better than to criticize the casting of an actor. Like oh, speaking yeah. of Batman, everyone freaked out about uh ben Affleck. Affleck, yeah. But I I was actually like I thought he would be really great. Mm -hmm. Um, Jared Leto is also getting flack, but I was like, yeah. who knows what that guy can pull out? Like, he's played actually a very wide variety of characters. Um, excellent range, for sure. And I like the fact that that looks nothing like Jared Leto. Like, mm -hmm. I, you can't really see him in that character, and I think that's, uh, that's cool. Because typically, I think, when actors are so far removed from their physical appearance, they, they do a better performance. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, they're literally putting on different skins, so... Yeah, and I think, but like, I'm hoping that's what happens here for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, uh, I guess moving from that, let's let's kind of talk about like in in light of all these trailers and all in light of all this marketing. Uh, I guess just generally what we've kind of been noticing about uh, you know sort of how these mm -hmm. movies are being sort of I guess marketed to us. Which one thing I've noticed is that it's it's become much bigger than just trailers now. Like, I mean, with the, the Star Wars uh, release, that came out at, out, out of a huge conference. Like, it was basically like a, an Apple product unveiling, except for it was all for Star Wars. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, like, people were live tweeting about it, and it was huge. Like, there was a news cycle on it for that entire day, and everyone would not shut up about BB-8, <laughs> that fucking droid. Oh, yeah. Um, is that the soccer ball droid? Yes, it is. Which is because everyone's like, "Holy shit, it's practical!" Which is impressive. It's pretty yeah. damn cool. But um, yeah, I mean, have you guys noticed that it's just it just seems like they're taking it to another level with the way that sort of these things are being marketed. Uh, not really, but I don't really watch trailers that much. So I watch trailers a lot, <laughs> and I think they're going too far. I yeah. feel like this is kind of unprecedented before in film history because Star Wars is kind of doing 
the same thing that Marvel and DC are doing, which is these are all the movies we're ever going to see again ever. Mm-hmm. We're going to release a Star Wars every year yeah. until the end of time. Mm. <laughs> we're going to have seven DC movies and 48 Marvel movies. Like, you're going to close your eyes and the last face you see is a comic book movie. <laughs> well, like, let's even look at the conversation we're having with Superman and Batman. We already are speculating who else is going to show up in the movie just yeah. based on IMDb having the rumored parenthesis yeah. underneath their, their credits. So, like... My biggest problem with, like, trailers today is there's no... I You can't walk into a movie now and be surprised. Like, mm-hmm. t- unless someone takes me to TIFF and it's a movie that I've never heard of, like, I already kind of know where it's going and, like, you can guess the plot points just based on those little images that they give you and, like, then mm-hmm. clips on top of that. And, like, I, I will still see Jurassic World and I'll still love it, but I really don't think I'm going to be surprised by any plot points in the movie. Yeah, like, like they have an island of dinosaurs and things go wrong? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I, it's an interesting point. I know like with the trailers of this, and I'm not even going to call this a spoiler because it's in trailers, mm-hmm. uh, but one of the big things is it's like, we genetically engineered a dinosaur, and then Chris Pratt's like, that's a bad idea. Don't you feel like, in, like if... That was in the original Jurassic Park when that came out in, like, 93. Don't you feel like they would have, like, held off from revealing that little tidbit? You know, like, you can say to your audience, this is a movie about dinosaurs in a fucking dinosaur park. Mm -hmm. Come watch it. Shit's gonna go crazy. And I don't think you need more than that to titillate the audience, you know? (laughs) Did you just laugh because of the word titillate? I I did. (laughs) But, um... I feel like the original Jurassic Park was kind of different as well because a huge part of that movie was the wonder of it. Yeah. Like it was walking through the gates and seeing like these dinosaurs just walking along. And even after shit goes down, they're just sitting in a meadow watching dinosaurs run by because it was amazing. And so there was kind of this wonder to it. And it was about, you know, kind of the limits of human interference and so forth in nature and yeah. now it's just shit goes bad and there's disasters and gore because that's kind of where we're at well i remember like when the first jurassic park came out my brother specifically like my mom agreed she was going to take us and my brother was like hey don't tell mom that the like t-rex bites a man in half on the toilet and i was like <laughs> wait what how do you and like I don't. I still don't know how he found that out specifically. Probably through a friend, friend yeah, who yeah. told him. Yeah. 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 Uh, so like, but there were so many things that you didn't know. Like, I don't think you knew when the first trailers came out that like there was going to be a whole yeah. segue of Velociraptor being like the predator in it. Like yeah. you knew they were there, but like there was a whole dedication to them being the predator. Yeah. And versus the T Rex, I think was the trailer's biggest like. They're gonna yeah. face a T Rex. Yeah, exactly. It's true. So the, and you didn't was... know about Wayne yeah. Newman or Wayne Knight, Wayne Newman, rather yeah. <laughs> Wayne Newman Knight. <laughs> yeah. um, you yeah. didn't know that Wayne like... Newman Knight Nedry. Yeah. Um, but now it's I don't know my favorite all time trailer, and it's uh, arguably not one of the Coen Brothers' best movies. Uh, is for a serious man. Um, they literally did like a, a beat trailer. So they used clips of the movie and repeated them. So it's like he gets his head slammed up against the wall. So that's your backbeat. Like it yeah. just constantly going through, oh, cool. goes back. And then there's certain, like someone's clearing their throat shows that like, and you get an idea of the story. Like this is a man that has a shitty life and shitty things are happening to him, mm-hmm. but it's nothing's given away. It's yeah. just hints and moments. And I think that's, that's a big uh, shift that we've seen in these sort of trailers and, and marketing and everything is that it used to be that a trailer was sort of meant to convey a mood or a tone mm-hmm. of a movie and the rest was kind of up to the audience to be like well fucking go see it and see yeah. what it's about uh, I think like a big example for that too was Alien like Alien was the most obtuse advertising <laughs> campaign you could ever have mm-hmm. you didn't like you didn't know what the fuck this thing was and really the the big tagline was it right Mm-hmm. Which is in space, no one can hear you scream. Yeah. Which, genius. But yeah, um, that. Ever, but people went and saw that movie in droves because, you know, it created, it generated buzz. I don't think that can even work today. Well, I'm, there's always a problem too where they miss 
backfire on the um, the trailer. Like sometimes they've released trailers because they're trying to get like a rom com audience out of it, but like really it turns out to be a little bit more action based or yeah. you know they miss the mark on how they want to do it. For example, if you look at the first trailer of Tomorrowland with George Clooney versus the second one that they just released, the mm -hmm. first one like I slept through because it just looks like a girl finds a pin, she touches it, and now she's in this future yeah. land. She finds George Clooney, takes her, and it's this like adventure of like yeah. let's find this cool new place. Yeah. In the second trailer, he she gets to his house. They go through lockdown, and there's literally like Resident Evil style like lasers where a guy runs through it and falls into like gets cut up into pieces. There's gunfire, like it's crazy. Yeah, that's at his house. Explicit action in his house. <laughs> so but, there's much more tension. There's much more. Yeah. Yeah, which I mean, if that was released as the first trailer, I would have had a totally different concept going in, maybe more interest. But now, also between the two, I'm like, I have a full understanding of what this movie is about. Like yeah. I could and not see it like yeah yeah you get you get the sense of what's going to take place yeah and again uh it's so funny because those two trailers convey very different moods very mm -hmm. different tones and styles like so you know at the end of the day the audience is kind of left wondering like well what is this movie even though you've seen so much footage you don't really know what you're like you don't have a good idea of why you're even going to see it other than the visual splendor yeah uh so in some ways, I feel like like trailers have kind of taken a step back, even though they're getting super sophisticated. Like, mm -hmm. uh, well, okay. Yeah. What I found was interesting is like, um, so I had the good fortune of sort of working on Crimson Peak, mm -hmm. and uh, which is Guillermo del Toro's new movie coming out, yeah. and I've seen the movie several times, and. Uh, they didn't do, like, I always assumed that when they do a trailer, they do it to a focus group, and which somewhat they do, but not mm -hmm. to a general audience focus group. Like, it kind of just gets passed around the offices. Some okay. other company is given whatever footage that they choose. Like, they have so many clips and things that they want to be used to, like, portray the film in the trailer. Those clips are given to a different company. Like and they, consulting kind of company? Well, like an editing, like, yeah. a, oh. or like a post-production company, so separate to what they've been using to cut the film. Wow, they okay. get that, their specific task is to cut a trailer using yeah. those clips, and right. it's their interpretation and negotiations through like production oh. and directors to do that. So do they actually even know the whole story of the movie? Uh, they don't have to be. Like, I mean, it could... I'm, I don't want to put a blank cast over yeah. what happens for every but movie. Based but this based on this experience, insider they were told what mood and what, you know, they wanted to yeah. go for. And I saw... I saw two cuts of the trailer and one I was like, wait, wait uh, did I see this movie? Like, yeah. do I know? And even the one that exists out there, I would argue that, like, people aren't going to have a total, and I love it for this reason, yeah. they will not have a total understanding of what to expect in that movie. Yeah. Uh, but some might be disappointed because I think it leads you down... A path that it doesn't that necessarily, necessarily go. go, so... Interesting. Yeah, and I, that movie, that trailer came out uh, a couple of months ago, I think, now. Mm, um, yeah, maybe like but, two. Yeah, uh, it is a really good trailer. I think mm -hmm. it actually is one that does a good job of building mystery and doesn't reveal too much. Like... There, there's a clear element to, and don't speak to any of this because I don't want you to get in trouble. <laughs> no, like if we put this online, that might be really bad for you. So, but there's clear, like, I mean, the, the trailer leads you to believe that there's definitely supernatural elements at play, but they don't really show too much. Mm -hmm. Uh, which was one of the things that I thought that was interesting about that trailer. Cause I want to see what supernatural shit goes down. Well, and if I may, I I, hope. I would just no I know I'm not I'm not gonna speak on that but uh, <laughs> maybe without giving context to it um, first of all I think Del Toro is amazing like and he's actually done really good trailers consistently like even Pan's mm -hmm. Labyrinth he didn't really tell you the full concept you just got to see like these creatures and yeah. understand that there was two separate worlds that he was bringing through this one character the girl but. Um, Something that's cool about him to note is that I don't think he defines everything so clearly that, like, at one point, they had a fan write him uh, about Pacific Rim, and they were like, oh, I can't remember, the, the lead girl who gets saved. You've seen Pacific Rim? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
she gets saved and she's wearing a red coat or a blue coat and right. she carries red shoes. Yes. And then in the movie uh, later on, she always has a blue streak in her hair. Mm-hmm. And uh, a fan was like, were those red shoes that Idris Elba's character ended up giving back to her in that moment? Is that like symbolic of her heart? And is she always wearing blue because that's like she's carrying the memory of her parents? And I think Guillermo's response was like, yeah, <laughs> sure. Like, I mean, certain choices are made and don't have meaning and it's up for the audience to interpret. So the problem with trailers is if you're spoon feeding them so much, we have nowhere to go with it. Like, yeah, we and can't. It, I think that's definitely being a problem, too, is that there's a lot of spoon feeding taking place. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, <laughs> uh, let's, let's, I guess, sort of, I guess, put a button on that, that topic with that in that, uh, yeah, I think we're, we're all a little bit wistful about that, that things ain't like they used to be. Um, no, I like it good. Yeah. <laughs> I like it, well, just to wrap that up, uh, Star Trek, I don't know, like their teaser, Star teasers, Wars? no, Star Trek, right. teasers, I think, are where it's at. If you go to any movie that's coming out, uh, mm-hmm. even now, you look at their teasers, which teasers don't even, it's like the Tim Hortons cup sizes, once what was. Yeah, teasers feel like trailers now yeah. in a lot of cases. And like Star Trek's was really good because uh, they did a lot of close-ups of men working um, like on what we see later as the USS Enterprise and its voiceover. And then it, you pull out and you see the Enterprise. And that's all you needed to know is that, okay, there's a start. Like, I mean, that's right. a tough example if you're doing a new narrative that hasn't mm-hmm. been seen before. But for something like Jurassic World, they could have shown us the uh, whatever that alligator-looking dinosaur that comes up and chomps on the... Pterodactyl? The sh- shark. Well, now in the new one, we well, have yeah, the, the Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, okay. The fish, the fish yeah, yeah. dinosaur. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. dino fish. They could have shown that, and we would have been like, oh, cool, we're getting new new yeah. dinosaurs. Like, we're seeing yeah. new... Maybe, maybe people might have thought that was the thing that was going to be the most dangerous, which makes no sense because it doesn't go on land. But... It but goes, we don't know It goes that. to Venice. <laughs> 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 right. But we don't know. Like, maybe it starts cracking against the glass, and yeah. then all the people float in the water, and this is an underwater scene. Like, maybe the island floods. Like, all kinds of possibilities that we know are not going to be yeah. the case, because just a little bit too much revealed. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, so we covered that pretty extensively. So mm-hmm. from there, let's let's move on from, you know, rather than, you know, talking about lead-ups to things, let's do a bit of a recap and go back to something that has come out, which is... Daredevil, which I really wanted to talk about last week, but we couldn't really because I was the only one that watched Maybe it. Two weeks ago? Yeah, two weeks ago, I guess, at this point. But um, I don't think anybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody cares. But um, yeah, I, Jen, you've watched it. Uh, yeah. You've watched through all of it now. You haven't, Tom, so. I, I did not, and yeah. I'll tell you why. Oh, oh all right. Here's a tale. I just don't it's have time. <laughs> there's so many. No, there's so much good TV on right now. The Americans just wrapped uh, a phenomenal season. And I think it's me, my friend Austin, and a handful of critics that are watching that show ever. But it's phenomenal. It just finished. I mean, it may not surprise you because it... Game of Thrones is on. The hockey playoffs just started. Oh, jeez. I have... I'm going to be honest with you. You might have got a little bit of it. I am two years into superhero burnout at this point. (laughs) Daredevil's probably good. (laughs) It's, I don't think it's quite the same prestige TV that is currently on that I was watching. I don't know. Uh, honestly, I think that while I'm not going to say it's the best show I've seen like right now, it's definitely high caliber. I, I'd say it's up there with amongst the best stuff I've watched. And The um, problem is that there's so much good stuff, mm-hmm. you just don't have time to watch it all. You make time. That's right. You make time for I make time for other shows. <laughs> For other shows <laughs> yeah. that aren't about superheroes. Fans listening may be listening to the last time Tom joined us on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about superheroes. Sorry, I never wanted to do That's it. Fine. I just wanted to muscle That's Tom. That's fine with me. Um, I will be honest. Uh, if my boyfriend wasn't as into the show, I probably wouldn't have been motivated to watch it as oh, really? consistently as I did. Like, the plus the negative of... Netflix is that it's there all yeah. the time. You don't have to wait for an episode to be released. It's there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it did. I kind of went through some humps 
uh, as I think we mentioned earlier, like in the previous podcast, uh, Kingpin's character doesn't come really into play until like three. Three or four episodes in, like, yeah. Yeah, so like we, we are introduced to him and then he takes a bigger part in the series and he was by far the most compelling thing to watch. Uh, his whole character development, which again is, it takes a while to really get into. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found him way more interesting to watch than Matt Murdock. I don't think Matt Murdock is uh, particularly... N- so He's not supposed to be nice in it per se, but no. I, like, I don't find him... Likeable? Likeable. Is he fully formed as Daredevil when this thing no. starts? No, it's kind of more like... you. They launch in basically as him as sort of a proto Daredevil. Like mm-hmm. he's just starting doing this. He's pretty bad at it, but uh, like they're at the point where like they're past the the sort of the origins proper, where you know like it's not like he's learning how to understand his senses or like how to fight. Mm-hmm. He knows these things. It's just he's just starting to be a superhero or a hero. Yeah, like. and they do like flashbacks periodically like with him and his dad who's the boxer and that's where he gets those tones from and then later in the series another character is introduced which yeah. you realize helped form him as like the superhero status that but character being stick stick the fans um, of the comic will know um but i would say shockingly in all the supporting cast the majority of which i do not enjoy um, Rosario Dawson did not bother me for some reason. Who played? Do you normally? Does she I normally am not into her. Um, <laughs> yep, slammed my hand down. That's it. No. Yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. Shots I don't know what it is about her, but she kind of was a one note for me, and I just don't really dig it. Mm-hmm. Um, Deborah Ann Wool, who is from True Blood, who plays their legal assistant. Yep. She's a whiny hoe, and I just can't handle her. Oh, boy. Uh, in fact, the only thing that encouraged my boyfriend to encourage me to get back into the series was her character takes a bit of a turn um, and makes a bold action, which was... Yes, pleasant, because she otherwise is just running around being like, I'm a victim, I want to do something. Uh." Really? I I felt that, yeah, like, I felt that she wasn't, I mean, she definitely, literally, she starts off as a victim. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did did find that she had a bit of an arc and that she wasn't really a victim through the whole series or wasn't, like, a, you know, a damsel in distress or anything. Like, she managed to have, like, her own sort of distinctive personality and, and brought something. I agree, though, like, I, I had problems with her character. I didn't yeah. think it was a, a perfect character by any means. I like that they didn't make her a romantic interest. They yeah. actually, like, have one of their key players not. Even, like, they kind of alluded that maybe Foggy, who is yeah. his law firm partner dude, uh, who's so terrible. <laughs> um, which, by like, sorry, just randomly, what is up with their bottle service in that show? Every time you see someone drinking, it's not like a drink. If they have it's, a bottle. They have a bottle. Like, <laughs> even at the bar, they like reach behind the bar and yeah. grab the bottle. Like, was this in Hell's Kitchen? Though? Yeah. yeah, I think it's. I think it's. It's in, the intent is probably to have a sense of familiarity, like it's a small community. It's like mm-hmm. a, like a local joint. Um, but yeah, it's true. They are always just like it's that cliche of like the bottle at the bar pouring the whiskey and just like having drink after drink. By the way, I don't think they ever drink in that show for any other reason than to get blotto drunk. Yeah. Like, that's the only reason why drinking is ever involved. It's never like someone's casually having a drink. Mm-hmm. No one's just having a chilled Pinot Grigio. Mm-hmm. No. They're, <laughs> just they're out to get loaded. Mm-hmm. Uh, or poisoned. Anyway. <laughs> that said, I, uh, with all the flaws that I'm not into... Um, Vincent D'Onofrio's portrayal of Kingpin is so scorned and pained like oh yeah even on his face he doesn't look like he's enjoying any decision he has to make and it's a really interesting choice for a villain character they they do a good job of humanizing him while making it clear that he's also a monster Mm -hmm. which i think is really that's a that's a hard a fine line to to sort of walk Mm -hmm. but they do it really well and i mean for all of the virtues of the character i actually didn't find like I didn't like it as Kingpin because I'm a comic book nerd and I have my picture in my head of who he should be. But as a character, like just, you know, on a sh- on a series, he's remarkable because, you know, at no point 
like, I mean, you can develop sympathy for him, but at no point do you ever think he's anything less than dangerous. Mm-hmm. You know, he's always a incredibly scary figure, but he goes through points where you're like, I kind of understand why he's this way, why he's so scary. Um, you know, and, and you kind of, you can kind of empathize. Um, yeah, he's his, I think he probably stole the show in that. And yeah. plus, like when he actually fights Daredevil, he's insanely intimidating. Like mm-hmm. he's huge, mm-hmm. uh, which is funny because I never would have thought that Vincent D'Onofrio is that big a person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like based on other things I've seen him in, he's you know he's a big guy. But the way that they, I don't know if it's the way they shoot him or just they maybe, might suit him up that way because yeah. like he, uh, I mean, he's done different. Like I forgot he was in Full Metal Jacket the last time we talked That's about right. him. Like, yeah, <clears throat> he's gone through. A variety of different weight classes, but uh, they never actually show him in anything less than a suit. Yeah. So he could be padded out a bit, if not gained weight for the role. Like. Yeah, but, maybe. And yeah. I think I think that probably the suit thing was actually probably more to do with the depiction of his character mm-hmm. than anything, because like that guy, I think the whole idea is it's almost like he's he's kind of bulletproof. He's like he's that man in the suit that's mm-hmm. untouchable all the time. Um. But yeah, I mean, I I. I found that it was a well-made show. Like in terms of the performances, I also just thought visually, it's one of the the best-looking shows I've watched in a while. Uh, so I don't know how you felt about that. It didn't stand out in my mind really? specifically. No, I mean maybe I'd have to go back. I really, I think I had the iPad in my hand most of the episodes. <laughs> well, <laughs> we can call in Dom though. I'm sure he has like yeah. lots of great things to say. Uh, yeah, maybe it is a bit of a, like a superhero um, fatigue. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, and I, I do set a, yeah. a high standard now. Because one of the reasons I think that this actually that show really appealed to, like, it actually would appeal to someone that's not necessarily a superhero fan, is the fact that there's a real sense of weight to things like the the fighting and the combat. Like this isn't this isn't the superhero that beats up the bad guys and then is on to the next one. Like when he's fighting. He's getting the shit kicked out of him, yeah. and you see it it every like every step of the way, which is a big part of uh, of the show itself. Which is there's the sense of hit, like there's a price to pay for what he's doing, and it you know it happens like it affects his relationships, but also affects him, mm-hmm. you know. And through the course of this uh, this this show, like he's getting progressively more broken down. Which I thought was really interesting. It's it's the first time I can think of uh, you know a superhero show really doing that. Show yes, but like I mean definitely or, Batman, like the Dark Knight, like we see Christian Bale, like and you know it even comes out as a line like we have to come up with some excuse like some sport that you're playing because you're physically carrying. Also, these the, yes, doesn't the doctor like say like man you can't go skiing anymore or something? Yeah, like yeah. That? that's uh, you're right. But what I I find the the key difference between those is that. While in Batman, they kind of, they justify it, I think, as a way to sort of ground it in reality. In Daredevil, it informs everything that takes place. For all of Batman's, like, ailments in, say, like, The Dark Knight uh, Rises, he beats the shit out of everyone. He fights, well, like, he loses to Bane. His back was broken. His back was broken, and then he comes back and beats the living shit out of Bane pretty effortlessly. All he has to do is punch him in the mouth. And oh, he found his weak spot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. If you got hit in the mouth, when you go down. <laughs> but I mean, uh, I guess what I'm saying is that there's there's a there's a visual sense of exhaustion in Daredevil that I've never seen in the Batman ones, where he's like at, at every time he's fighting in those movies, he always looks like he's fighting at the best of his ability to fight in the Batman films. Whereas in Daredevil, there are times where he he looks like he's going to fall over as he's trying to fight people. Mm. Uh, the biggest example being like in the in the second episode there's this hallway scene that if like everyone who's seen this is pretty much talking about this because it's a big one-er shot. Yeah, like someone referenced boy? Yeah, someone said like old boy and I'd argue nothing like old boy. I think I actually referenced that, but yeah. I uh, you're wrong. Nothing like it. <laughs> nothing like it. <laughs> well, it's Other it's than a very hallway. it's a well the reason the biggest difference uh, the biggest parallel I saw to it is the fact that He's hitting people and they don't they don't just drop. Mm-hmm. They come back. Mm-hmm. And that's something that that's the only time I can think of other than that that I've seen that. And yeah, it's taking place in a hallway. But I mean So you admit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wait, weren't you saying it was nothing like old boy? Yeah. I said it was No, yeah, but other than that it's in a hallway. Yeah. Oh. And I argue that there are other similarities. 
Um, but the big, the biggest thing is that uh, it, <laughs> it's there's the sense of them coming back, him being exhausted, and I thought it was it's just a unique thing in that genre. But anyway, uh, <laughs> let's let's move on because clearly there's some polarizing uh, feelings here, uh, and let's let's take it to a lighter note and bring us back to Quantum Corner. episode moment of quantum corner i actually had tom and eric watch the pilot episode episodes well technically it was one because mm-hmm. this is genesis part one and there's actually genesis, there is a genesis part, part two. two that we did not see really <laughs> oh boy because that was an hour and a half it was an hour and a half it's quite a commitment thank you boys for uh, participating yeah, yeah. uh I know how I feel about this series and how much I love it. Could I just get a, a general, you're right, you're, thank you for this, you're the best, I can't wait to watch the next episode, whatever, whatever. It was, uh, it was quite entertaining. I thought quite. it was, um, <laughs> it kind of, it had a, almost a playfulness to it that oh, yeah. I wasn't expecting, yeah. like his, uh, his hologram buddy is it Albert? Al. Al. I mean Albert. If we want to get formal. Just, just a raging drunk, like <laughs> almost a Cersei level, like alcoholic. <laughs> Except instead of Cersei's sort of self-loathing, he's just yeah. kind of. He's more of a Tyrion like yeah. drunk. Yeah. Because yeah. he's, he's also a womanizer. Okay. Yeah, he's definitely a womanizer. Um. <laughs> It's historical accuracy though come on like we saw a lot of moments where we saw advertising and yeah we a reference to Burma shave which mm-hmm. is a real thing mm-hmm. and they had a distinctive ad campaign that they cite specifically in the show um, but can we not already get the sense of how lovable our our lead character Sam Beckett is he yes. yeah he almost stumbles his way through yeah. life he he, he literally, literally stumbled backwards into a shower <laughs> at one point yeah. he he was so fully incompetent as his yeah. job at his job as a pilot and nobody seemed to want to stop him at all also he wasn't the only one everyone was incompetent at their job yeah it was well, sort the, of the perfect scenario to set up where he leaps into a prankster so everything right. he said that seemed off they, was they like oh tom Which, classic tom <laughs> yeah i mean there's a delightful sort of suspension of disbelief there where it's like Either these people are the the worst enablers and just refuse to actually accept that a friend needs help, uh, or they are just incredibly blind to some serious problems. Because uh, through the through the course of what everyone thought were jokes, were some serious cries for help. But yeah, well, I mean, the, one of the notes I made is when the first time he goes up, because I guess we should point out that they're military test pilots in the 1950s. Yes. And they're trying to get to Mach 3 for the first time. And he's one of these test pilots that he leaps into. And he goes up into the plane, clearly fully banking on the fact that he's not going to have to fly that plane. Yeah. Because he he doesn't try to stop himself from going in the plane. He's just like, oh, thank God there's other pilots on this plane. Which in a matter of like 15 seconds, we all came up with so many scenarios (laughs) to get him out of that situation. Just pretend that you're sick. Yeah. Yeah. But he, so at one point he has the inner monologue that says, oh man, good thing I don't have to fly. And then his prankster friend is like, I'm just going to go chill in the back of the plane for a while. You're in charge. Yeah. And he immediately panics <laughs> and starts to tilt it. And he's no, like he doesn't cold even touch sweat. It. No, he doesn't touch. He's he doesn't. just like moaning to himself and <laughs> dripping sweat. And, and the plane is tilting oh, God. and no one else on the plane cares at all. He, like, yeah. the, the, his friend just kind of wanders back up. What's his name? Bird Dog? Bird Dog. The womanizing yeah. test pilot. Mm-hmm. Just wanders back up on a tilted plane. Is like, hey, it's sitting back down. <laughs> well, Not yeah, going to ask like, why the plane's tilting yeah, or why like, you're shivering. And... <laughs> yeah, because, you know, they're like, is something wrong? Your plane's not really doing what it's supposed to. And then he just comes back and fixes it. And he's like... No, we're all good up here. Meanwhile, everyone's good up here. Yeah. Everyone's fine. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, oh man, he's actually crying out for help, going, uh <laughs> It's I mean it takes you quickly into the uh, the yeah. whole thing though with Quantum Leap is like every episode you're introduced to new characters and new scenarios and a new problem. So like in that first pilot episode, they have to evolve his character pretty quickly. So yeah. they they go for the most extreme of like he'll do nothing. Yeah. So then by the end, he starts to like, just like, okay, quick fix. I, I, gotta, I have it. to get yeah. into this. I have to put on this Except role. for, you know, take a few asides to call your dad crying <laughs> and have a stare down with a dog. But again, we've established so much of his backstory without, and he is a man who's lost his memory yeah. through traveling. And yet so we've got a So he's learning ton. as we're learning. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Um, one thing I noticed is that it's interesting. Uh, I mean, the premise of it was very heavy like sci-fi i mean there's there's cars with all kinds of flashing lights oh, everyone's man. got LEDs flashing lights all over the place uh, lights on the every future. bit of yeah. their their clothing um people have very space age metallic clothing mm-hmm. um but Ties then that don't sit yeah. down the front <laughs> of your shirt that tangles to the yeah. side yeah uh but then like it's funny because you watch it and you're like okay and you think a name like quantum leap you're like okay so this is what we're we're getting and then what you quickly realize is that no it's 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 very much uh, like a very grounded show in a lot of ways. Uh, it's just almost like it's a episodic fish out of water story. It's just yeah, yeah basically. Yeah. It's, well, you can imagine when they were pitching that idea, uh, Donald P. Belisario. <laughs> well done. Um, that like they were like yeah, so it's set in the future, and they're like whoa 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 whoa, we don't have a budget for that. No no. Yeah. It's represented future-wise by a calculator and thing that our hologram, like, post Hologram holds. man is. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, some of the visual effects are alarmingly terrible. <laughs> uh, <coughs> Product but, of its time. But, it's like, great. Like, it's, it's this massive concept. But, again, like, actually, you know, they go through time pretty flawlessly. Like, that looked like the 1950s. They... With yeah. the exception of all the '80s perms that everyone, all the women seem to have. Right. Yeah, I don't know enough about that, <laughs> but <clears throat> it seemed to make sense. It's it's really interesting, and uh, I think that it actually does a pretty good job of like throwing you into the world and giving you a sense of who the character was, uh, even though it's definitely a lengthy episode. But um, yeah, I think that it's it does an interesting job of giving you both the science fiction element of it and the weird like sciencey thing, and then also just a, a premise of what the show is going to be week to week. Um, but yeah, uh, do you have any final thoughts? Cause we should probably wrap this up. Just that I'm so friggin' happy that I brought two virgins into this quantum <laughs> world and I can't wait to hop back in that accelerator. <laughs> and before, I guess before we, we end the episode, uh, is there anything or like, do you know what the next episode we're going to be looking at? So Genesis we can part two. Genesis you? part two. Uh, we have to look forward to that Sam Beckett has leapt into a professor's body. Oh, that's right. Uh, and we're now into the 1960s. So we're still given the idea that. With every leap, he's getting closer to the decade in which he, you know, originally came from. So we're still moving forward which in time. Which is the mid-90s? Uh, we're somewhere in the <laughs> 90s. It's, uh, you know, we go far. <laughs> there you go. So for for the next episode, it'll be Genesis Part 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs>